Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I am your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl, what are we talking about today? Today we are starting the first of six podcasts about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We did one for every episode of WandaVision, and we're going to do the same thing for Falcon the Winter Soldier every single episode, wondering whether Mephisto is going to appear. <laughs> you just, uh, even in your intro, you just uh, gave me the answer to a question that had just popped into my head regarding this show. So thank you for that already. What's your question? How many episodes there it were? It was, exactly. I'd seen it listed <laughs> as a miniseries, but I was wondering if we already knew how many, how many episodes there were, and we do. Yes. No, I do too. Yes, yes. Other people did, but yes. Now, <laughs> now, now you know. But before that, uh, we're recording this on Sunday, and Monday was a very special occasion. By which I mean Monday that was six days ago, and not the Monday that is tomorrow. <laughs> it was Oscar nomination morning. Woo-hoo! We haven't really talked about the Oscars much on this podcast, um, just because it hasn't come up. But we are we are planning to get kind of into the Oscars this year, so we can bring you the big a big kind of Oscar prediction podcast when we get to April and when and when the Oscars are the actual event is coming up. But the nominations get me really excited. I tried to do predictions like the night before on Sunday, and most of them were wrong. I think like 30-plus things wrong. There's two categories I got completely right, though, which were the lead actor and lead actress category, and those were probably the easiest categories to predict. Well, maybe easiest for you, because those are the ones you got right, but who knows? Um, I had a question I was going to ask you about these these Oscar nominations. Uh, Actually, no, I had a statement. I feel like this year we're, we're ahead of where we usually are. In our Oscar movie viewing, or or would you say we're not? Most definitely. Yeah. We still haven't viewed a lot. We've only viewed a couple of the Oscar nominee movies. So we have a lot to get into, and I'm kind of I'm excited to get into them. We have a list of like tw- like I mean, there's so many movies we're gonna see with Oscars. So there's no way we're gonna get to all of them, but I hope to get to most of them. And we have the benefit this uh, with the Oscars being later due to the pandemic. That spring break is in between the Oscar nominations and the Oscar event, meaning we can use spring break to kind of watch awards movies. And usually we would not have that benefit because winter break would be like we wouldn't have the Oscar nominations by then. So we have a good amount of schoolless time to watch awards movies, and I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I am too. Uh, Some of the surprises on these nominations uh, are um, kind of when watching the like the nomination ceremony kind of got me surprised was uh, another round Thomas Vinterberg for best director which means it has two nominations which I did not really expected it to get more than one for international feature but also means because it's a dot two and means it's higher priority than the ones nomination people we might that might we might get to that on our list and i would like to see that movie so. me too that's one i was excited about when i when i when i heard of it of course i heard of it late but 
we have seen we, uh, we talked about the hunt on this podcast back exactly. when we were doing the and we both really liked it the imdb top 100 can i go on a little bit of a tangent here about the <laughs> imdb top 100 tangent away so if anybody's wondering why we didn't do that it's because we realized the imdb top 100 means absolutely nothing and the users are very fickle proof of this is that today Zack snyder's justice league is ranked higher than citizen kane which should never happen that should not be allowed to happen i feel like imdb at some point should rein in its users and tell them guys guys snyder snyder is not comparable to orson wells yeah that's why people I mean, let's let's just presume people still do. People respect the Oscars more than they respect the People's Choice Awards. Yes, or the Golden Globes. Well, at least the well, Golden the Globes, Globes are, are by different. theoretically a you know professional journalist, but like the People's Choice were like literally a poll, like the IMDb stuff, just customers using it. You know, just humans. It's normal people, normal Zack Snyder fans. Yeah, so it could be you know you can inundate a site and you know make somebody win, but without any objectivity to it. Yes, and it was fun also when I saw the when I looked at the IMDb top 100 to see Zack Snyder's Justice League was higher than Citizen Kane. It was weird looking at the Metacritic scores, which are actually like, like I suggest if you're looking for like a metric, like rather than Rotten Tomatoes or an IMDb score, I would look at the Metacritic score. Yeah, it's a compilation of like actual journalistic entities that give it a score. Uh, but as we were seeing, like, Citizen Kane's 100, and ranked above it is Zack Snyder's Justice League's 55 <laughs> yeah. on Metacritic. Makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. But uh, now that we're done with that tangent, we have talked about The Hunt. We did like The Hunt, so I'm excited to see another round, because I expect we'll like another round. Yeah, me too. Uh, specifically, and this may be too early to say this, but those scenes in The uh, in the Hunt, like, around the tables with the men hanging out, eating dinner, drinking... Uh, carousing, kind of talking to each other. I feel like uh, another round's going to have a lot of that, and I, I think so. he does a great job with that. Those kind of scenes. Yes. So we'll see. Uh, another one would Lakeith Stanfield for best supporting actor. We have talked about Judas and the Black Messiah on this podcast. We're not the biggest fans of Judas and the Black Messiah. We're definitely more definitely positive on it, but we may not put it in like the. We would not have probably nominated it for Best Picture like the Oscars did if it was up to us. But Lakeith Stanfield, I think that performance was good. I'm I'm yeah, willing. I, I, I'm kind of happy about that. I don't remember what we said about it, but I think what we probably said was the acting was really good. Um, but I I don't think either one of us at the time said anything like you know, that we thought it would be nominated for an Oscar. It also uh, makes me wonder. But I'm excited for it. What, uh, what constitutes a leading role? Because you'd think Lakeith Stanfield is top build. So why Yeah, that's why is he nominated for supporting actor? Does it have to do with a certain amount of runtime? Is it just done by... I don't think there's any objective criteria to it. But what's, what's interesting, I think, is one of the articles I read in it, is that it's the studio that submits the possible nominations in what categories. So it's not like the like the Academy itself. It's not like they said, "Okay, you're supporting, you're supporting, you're supporting." The the when they're submitting a film to be nominated, they decide. So this is a. I mean, and some people have said, you know, it's a strategy used, uh, especially you know dealing with you know racist you know United States and racist Academy. They some people have said that they fear like an African American actor going against a white actor 
in a best, you know, acting leading in an actor in a leading role performance that sometimes that that's more difficult to win than the supporting actor roles. And so that it was a strategy thing. Now I haven't heard of anybody commenting from the movie on that. I haven't followed up on that, but that's, I think that's an issue that's out there. I don't think that's just completely, you know, made up. Now I would, now what I would think is that would be a poor strategy for naming the Keith Stanfield's best supporting actor. Cause what's that going to do besides draw away from Kaluuya's already big momentum? Right. Does that dilute the vote? Now this is another question. I don't know how Oscar voting works. So uh, you might, I don't really know how it works. All I know is that like for the Oscar nominations thing, it's directors voting on directors and actors voting on actors and editors voting on editors and everyone votes for best picture. Right. That's, I like how they do that. That's a really cool way to do it to me, especially in some of the categories that may be a little more technical that, you know, you're even, even a member of the Academy who's an actor might not fully be able to grasp and uh, understand what's a better sound editing performance or not, you know? So I like the fact that they do the nominations like that, but I would, didn't know if, um, like if you're voting for best actor, do you just get one slot, one vote, or do you rank things like one, two, three, and then they add up the points? Like that that part of the details of the voting, I don't know how that works. No, no, so what I, I, I don't know if it's good strategy or not. Does it dilute the vote because you have two from the same film, two African Americans in the same category, or or not? And I guess I would have to know how the voting mechanism works to know if that really does you know is a harmful strategy in that way. But it's an interesting strategy regardless. And I'm excited for the actor uh, who got nominated because he did do a great job. But I was surprised it got a nomination. Yes. Uh, speaking of the, the supporting category, uh, this isn't really a surprise, but Glenn Close was nominated for Hillbilly Elegy, which means she'll be nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie for the same performance. Isn't that hilarious? That is kind of hilarious. I think that's happened before, right? But uh, or maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if it's for the same performance. I, I, it's probably has happened before. Yeah. So just opinions vary. Well, opinions <laughs> uh, do vary. Although, what I've, what people kind of reaction to that, the people from what I've seen, to like the Razzies and all that, um, is that when they don't like a movie, it's not really when they're nominated actress. It's not really about the performance. It's more like the biggest star in that movie that they can put a target on. That sounds. I believe that. That sounds right. Yeah, and like it's not like the Razzies are like a legitimate awards thing. It's just for yeah, fun. It's a fun thing to talk about. I think their ceremony is in a YouTube video. <laughs> and before that, who knows what it was? What it was on. All right. So I think that's a. Uh, those are all the kind of big, big surprises. I mean, there's some minor technical ones. I think Tenant, I mean, didn't get in for score, and I thought that would that that angered some people. Angered that that surprised some people. Although Tenant actually did get nominated for production design, and it got more nominee nominations than I thought it would. We we have talked. No, we de- we haven't talked about Tenant on this podcast. No, this is this is the thing. We did a no, no. This is what happened. I remember this. We did a, I mean, a really long tenant podcast. We ranked Christopher Nolan movies, and I honestly think it was a really good podcast. But the technical thing messed up. That was when the card broke. Oh, that's right. And we didn't. That's how we found that out. We didn't. We didn't record a podcast for like months, even though like for once we had motivation to record (laughs) podcasts. Um. 
but like that that was really disappointing because that was a that was a really good podcast that y'all didn't get to hear trust us it was amazing it was it was actually really good i'm not just <laughs> no it was you're right you're absolutely right <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on to uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, can we do, do, do two more one two more seconds? Two more seconds, yeah. Uh, give me either the the top movie or the two top movies that we have not seen that are nominated for Oscars that you're most excited about watching. I am really excited for Sound of Metal. Out of all of these big Oscar movies, Sound of Metal is the only one I've had like people I know in person be like, "This movie is great." So I, I'm excited for. Sound of Metal, and also just uh, uh, Nomadland, because I'm excited to see to see um, to see the movie that's probably going to win Best Picture. Well, you know, I don't know why you want to say that because we're going to do an episode now. Now they don't even have to listen to our Oscar Oscar prediction. No, you do. You do have to. (laughs) I will come to your house if you don't. There we go. You have that threat right to yours. All right, cool. So yeah, me too for those same movies. All right, but on to today. Uh, This will be. Spoiler based, just like WandaVision is spoilers for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, spoilers for the other Marvel Universe movies. I feel like that's usually, I haven't said that when doing spoilers before, but I feel like, and people usually don't, but I feel like we should because you should spoilers for everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. See you, baby. Uh, Yes. So uh, this episode was written by Malcolm Spellman. It's called. Uh, New World Order, the TV show itself, is created by uh, Malcolm Spellman. The character of the Falcon is created by Stan Lee and Gene Colan. The character of Bucky Barnes and Captain America is created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And the character of the Winter Soldier was created by Steve Epting and Ed Brubaker. What did you think? Oh, oh sorry. It's uh, directed by Carrie Scogland, I think, because it's a miniseries. She's going to be directing all of them. What do you think of this episode? So I liked the episode. I'll just say overall. I'll just throw, you know, throw that out there. I liked it. Um, it didn't wow me, kind of like WandaVision did. You know, it's hard not to compare the two because those are the, these are the first two kind of things post-Endgame that are, uh, you know, first time they've gone like to television. Um, so I'm definitely going to compare the two. And as far as the pilots go, I suppose uh, I like the WandaVision pilot better. But for what, for what this is, I thought it started off with a cool action scene. Uh, definitely thought they were sending a message about the tone of the show and what they're going to, how it's going to look, you know, a television show versus like um, you know something you see in the movie theater. And I thought they did a great job with that. I, I did get a little, uh, I got a little bored with the action scene because it, it was good, but it wasn't like innovative. And of course, everything can't be innovative, but you know. So, I, I, I liked it. I liked it. And I thought it started off strongly. Uh, then I'll, I'll have more to say about it too, of course. Uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed in this episode, and they, that's probably partly my own fault because, unlike WandaVision, which I was really surprised by at the time those first two episodes came out, because I had. No expectations about it. I barely knew what it was about, besides it had something to do with sitcoms and Wanda and Vision. And at this point, and I was really excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's probably the Marvel thing this year I was most excited about because Whoa. I love... Yeah. Really? Because I love Winter Soldier so much. And this is the most similar thing 
to Winter Soldier. So I guess it's kind of my own fault, but I was a little disappointed. And starting off with that action scene, partly because Winter Soldier again had really good action choreography. And this one, I don't know, it felt you were kind of right. Not everything can be innovative, but this didn't really feel close to innovative. Like, and it kind of, it kind of bored me. It kind of bored me while yeah. I was going through. It felt a little long to me, you know, during through it. Um, it is, it is cool that they were fighting Batroc the Leaper, the same person they fought in the beginning of Winter Soldier. So clearly, it's not me making the Winter Soldier comparison. So that is part of the kind of excitement hype around it. Is its similarities to Winter Soldier, right? And that's part of the joy too of of, of any of the shows in the MCU is this feeling of connectivity to the other you know characters that we've seen earlier, which is fun. Um, another thing about this episode kind of as a whole, and while we were watching mom kind of brought this up and kind of got me thinking about this, it didn't really feel like an episode of a TV show. It kind of felt like a clip of a movie. Huh? It's just the way it, it ended like the episode, it did end with, you know, the reveal of uh, Wyatt Russell and this new Captain America. And so it was kind of like a reveal you'd end on. But like, other than that, it didn't feel like there was really like a, a climax to uh, that episode. It just felt like it kind of just stopped off in a way a movie would stop off. If you just paused it. Yeah. It's, oh, that's interesting. I, I think I kind of felt that way too. I, I would have hadn't really thought about it, but now, I wouldn't have thought about it if Mom hadn't brought it up. And clearly, maybe it's, and I don't think maybe I'm, I'm wording in the way other people wouldn't word it. But like the fact that Mom, like right after the episode ended, was like that didn't feel like a TV show means that, like I don't think that's me making stuff up. Right. You know they they say it's you know difficult. One of the difficult parts of writing a pilot is having a standalone story that also then propels the rest of the story and the characters into the, you know, further series. And I wonder, I don't know if it's different with a, like a six part mini series like this one is, but it's gotta be fairly similar. So I think it's probably a hard line to straddle. Cause yeah, we, we, you got to set up everything, but you also got to kind of tell us the story here. And I kind of agree. It kind of felt, um, I don't know. Part of it just kind of felt off a little bit and I don't know. I don't know why that is. Um, yeah. And I, I just want to clarify, uh, for the listener, that uh, this is not a pilot. This is the first episode. So, I mean, this is kind of what you're bringing up with the difference between a miniseries and a normal submitted show. But just to, just to clarify the difference between a pilot and a first episode. The pilot is sent in before the whole show is going to be made. The show is obviously already going to be made. Right. That, that, that That's a little unnecessary, but I thought it might, might be nice for the listener. No, no. I think it's a good, good clarification. Uh, what of the storylines that were introduced in this resonated with you what do you want to see more of what do you want to see less of uh, the, the stuff with the flag smashers kind of interests me a lot and that goes into like another thing like I'm, I'm a little negative on this episode but this episode does still get me excited for the rest of the show like I think the rest of the show is going to be good because of what this episode sets up I just I'm just not doing it positive on this episode Okay, I hear that. And it was kind of, I was kind of waiting during this episode for them to kind of get into what at least I think will be the main plot of the show involving the Flag Smashers and Zemo and U.S. agent Wyatt Russell. 
the other the other Captain America. And I was kind of a little bit just just waiting for you know Winter Soldier and Falcon to meet up, but it, but the background that they're kind of setting up it is it is interesting to see what superheroes do you know off time and getting into like the kind of race issues with them on un- being unable to get a loan. Yeah, what what is life? What was life like during the what do they call it? The blip. Is the blip what's is the blip the when they come back or is the blip in the time in the middle or what are they? I know they were talking about that, but regardless, what we call it, it's interesting to think about what you know what happened to the world during those five years, you know, in between, uh, you know, within game. Like that's that to me is interesting. Yes, like I I am excited to see. Uh, more of that. It's just maybe this first episode went a different direction than I was expecting, and I think I would have enjoyed it more if it went in the, the other direction. How did you feel about the uh, Falcon and the sister and the boat and the family drama and all the, the economic drama regarding like that kind of storyline? I mean, that goes back to kind of the what superheroes are like when they're not being superheroes. How do they get uh, paid? Especially a, 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 a soldier, you know. I mean, he's a superhero, but he's a, I mean, he's just a soldier. I mean, we see him in the beginning working with the Air Force. Right. He doesn't have any, I guess, like, what superhero powers. No. You know, and no, again, that's not, not necessary. You got Batman, you know, one of the, you know, arguably one of the greatest superheroes, you know, ever. But he doesn't have any special powers either. So, you know, you don't have to have that. But even more so, like, we don't wonder what, you know, Thor's doing for a living. You know, that kind of thing. But this guy, you know, is a soldier... And then worked with the Avengers and was an Avenger, so it's a little, it's just, it's a fun, it's a good idea to pursue, and I'm glad they're pursuing it. Although I didn't really love the scenes between uh, him and his, and his sister. No, no, I did not. I did not either. And I'm hoping they kind of stray away from that a little bit as the show goes on. Yeah, me too. Um, I think. When the trailer no. for this, you know, we know that it's almost going to be like, or it seems from the trailer that it's going to be, you know, like a buddy cop kind of kind of dynamic between Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Yeah. So I think when you say like you're looking forward to them getting together and starting that, I, I am too. I think it's because we saw that that might be fun, you know, from the trailer and the way they were selling the show. Yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Winter Soldier okay. section of the episode, so we haven't touched on that a little bit. It's uh, it's pretty exciting to see. I didn't. I I, I kind of liked seeing you know Winter Soldier kind of just being out and about trying to deal with his his issues. We have that scene in the therapist's office. He's trying to uh to right his wrongs, and him kind of helping out the the Asian dad, the older Asian man, whose son Winter Soldier killed. He's kind of a civilian after he witnessed him doing some other assassinations although i kind of didn't like how that was handled i think um, we've kind of brought it up while watching the episode where like they like sev- like multiple times they went like i think the worst part is i don't know who killed my son <laughs> was it you was it you who killed my son it was it was wasn't it that's the worst part that you killed my son are you feeling guilty about it now yeah in one way they they, they totally respected the audience and that they don't come out right and say that hey you know this was the son you know, but we all know it's the sun. So that was, you know, subtle ish, but what was not subtle is like, you know, the, the girl, you know, the sushi restaurant or 
A sushi restaurant? No, a bar. I don't know what it was. Uh, saying, you know, yeah, you know, if he just knew exactly what happened, you know, that would that would make him feel tons better. You know, that felt just so on the nose and, you know, guilty. I wish that was handled a little bit more subtly. I did like seeing the flashback of Winter Soldier and just being a cool, you know, mercenary, destructive dude. And that was fun. Those were, I thought that was a good action scene. And I love the fact that he did kill that guy in cold blood, the son. Like, so, you know, the show's going there. Uh, so I like I liked that about it also. And I kind of like this, um, you know, this uh, making amends list. You know, is it a good way to organize the narrative storytelling? You know, I don't know if they're going to keep doing that throughout, but they certainly could. There's, you know, reminds me of the Arrow uh, list that his father left him. There was a sitcom a while back about a guy who wins the lottery and he's going back and righting all the wrongs that he did with his, his lottery money and that kind of thing. So it's a fun organizing principle. Again, I don't know if they'll stay with it or not, but I like it and I like that idea. Yes. Uh, what do you think is going on with the Flag Smashers? Uh, that's a good question. Let's I, um, I kind of their philosophy, like you know, of having it's it's very appealing, and I hope they kind of handle this group with a little bit of nuance. I don't know when the Flag Smashers were created in the comics, but like an anti-patriotism kind of no borders kind of group called the Flag Smashers sounds like a product of the 60s. And I'm hoping that that... I'm hoping that they handle it with nuance and don't go total, like, pro-military takedown of this group. No, I think think they started off in the right vein in that because the character, I guess, who ends up infiltrating a rally, you know, I was working with Falcon on that, you know, said, like, this uh, philosophy and idea is appealing right now. You know, I think they, I think they say that and it's appealing to me, you know, I'm not very nationalistic, you know, and I, you know, sometimes think these little lines on the map that (laughs) we call borders are, um, kind of ridiculous a little bit and certainly some, in some respects. So I, I, I also share that fear, but I, and I hope they do a good job. And I think that was a good sign leading towards it with that. Even just had that even throwaway line mentioning that, you know, it might be a popular idea right now. Oh yeah. Another thing with uh, them not really getting into what we assume from the trailer is the main plot of the show is that there is only six episodes. This is the sixth of the show. Right. And they haven't really gotten into it yet. So that worries me a little bit, but I, I trust I trust Marvel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do too. Again, it seems like it's a solid, already a solid Marvel project. And so I trust that they're going to pull it off. But if we think about like a beginning, a middle, and an end, so you know, you've got the first two episodes are kind of the beginning. So at the end of the next episode, we should be propelled kind of into the second act where they have the the middle, and then the last two will be kind of the ending. So we'll see. We'll see if they kind of stay with that kind of structure. But I'm I'm curious to see what the beats are gonna be at the end of each episode and when they're going to get together uh to start fighting. And I'm really curious to see what role and how much this new Captain America is going to play out because I do like what they introduced. They introduced race elements in, you know, two main scenes. One when Falcon gives up the uh, shield and then later at the end he's giving it up and they're saying, thank you. Like, you know, and then, Hey, we're just going to give it to this guy. So that, you know, that race had to play a factor in that. I'm sure. And I'm sure they're going to play up on that. At least I hope they will, but I hope they do it in a, in a very, you know, 
I don't know, cool way. I hope they, again, respect the audience. And then also in the bank scene, when they're applying for the loan, and, and I want to give a shout out to Vince Pisani, who's an Atlanta actor who played that loan officer and I thought did a great job. Um, like that was cool to see too. I'm glad they named it because that stuff still happens all the time. So uh, I'm excited for those two elements of that. Uh, yeah, the, it's the U.S. Asian stuff played by uh, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. Gets, I mean, that does get me excited. That is the main part I'm excited about in this show is the kind of like the race element. Like we're, we're picking a more like traditional American hero in this case. There's a scene in the trailer where we don't actually get to see Wyatt Russell's face, but where like a U.S. agent, which is the name of the character in the comic book, is uh, like run through like the football game during the halftime show and like the the fireworks are coming up and that seems like a very like nationalistic part of america that i i hope they critique well in falcon the winter soldier yeah and at the same time it's very reminiscent of that was captain america's first role you know in that you know the first movie the first you know the first avenger movie you know is him on doing pr basically because the program kind of is shut down yeah. So it was nicely reminiscent of that as well. Well, so uh, how I imagine, I think we're definitely going to get some scene next episode, some scenes with Falcon and the Winter Soldier together because I think Falcon will, will call Winter Soldier about the whole uh, Flag Smashers thing. Uh, someone who was not in this episode was Daniel Brühl as Zemo from civil war where do you where do you think he is how do you think he gets involved and we remind me that we know he's involved how because he's in the trailer because he's in the trailer so where we left off with him is him trapped in the sea in with martin freeman the cia kind of interrogating him and that kind of ends is that am i remembering that correctly am i getting I, characters confused I think so. I don't know if it's Martin. I don't remember if it's Martin Freeman. It might be. I think it is because he's like, please, please, you know, mess up or cross that line or something like that. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as far as we know, I guess, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's, you know, one of the head people of Flag Smashers. You know, that would not that would make sense. Yeah, it does. It seems like a, like a thing he'd be, the thing he'd be a part of or possibly leading. His whole his whole deal remind me because his big storyline was in Civil War, correct? Yes. And his whole deal is I can't defeat the Avengers because they're superheroes unless I attack them from inside and divide and conquer. And he's doing this in revenge for his family dying, correct? In Sokovia. Okay. Yes. So so yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't really fit a direct line, but I think once you're maybe once you're radicalized, you know, to do something like that, then you know maybe you find other ways to disrupt. You know, I don't know. So that that's one idea. Do you think uh, does that resonate with you, or do you think it'll something else? Do you think it'll be like out of left field? I feel like he has to be working with because this movie, the movie, the Stevie show. I think from what we've seen in the trailer has three kind of villainous groups or people: the, the Flag Smashers, which I don't think are the main the main villains. Okay, Zemo. And U.S. agent Wyatt Russell. Okay, does he is he an antagonistic character in the comics? Yes. Okay, that's it. Uh, so I think Zemo, who I think is set up to be the main person, in this has to have ties to at least one or both of those groups. Okay. 
Yeah. So either that. like Wyatt Russell is an an agent for Zemo, or he's the secret leader of the Flag Smashers group. Well, I think they have to be affiliated one way or another. Yeah. What was uh? Did you have a favorite scene or favorite area? Of the movie that you like, I mean the movie again, because <laughs> it was cinematic. <laughs> it was it was cinematic. Um, I like the lone scene. I like uh, I like the scene the the scene of the bar with uh, Winter Soldier and the old man. I like the scene, and we haven't touched on this. The scene with Rhodey when they're walking through the muse- museum, like they did in Winter Soldier. Yeah, I did too. I did too. I liked that also, and I liked the uh, the actress uh, who was playing. I guess the the date. You know, I liked their interaction. It was you know appropriately awkward on for you know on Bucky's part and weird. But again, I didn't like the moments where it got a little right on the nose. Hey, this is the issue, and you can solve it, and that's your moral dilemma. But I did like I liked the dialogue and the flirtation and the acting uh, before that. I thought that was kind of fun to see, and I enjoyed those moments. Do you think the amazing Don Cheadle will appear again in this show? I do. I do think he will. Because I, I think, you know, if it seems from what you're telling me about agent, U.S. agent, you know, there's probably going to be, and it's probably going to be Don Cheadle, someone, you know, someone's running U.S. agent. And if it's going to be going in nefarious ways, there's probably going to be somebody who's going to try to help out from the inside. And that's probably going to be Don Cheadle, right? Yes. Or Agent Carter. Or Agent 13. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah. Um, she's also in this show. She was in the trailer. Okay, so is it? Yeah, Agent. That's Carter's niece. I think Agent so. Carter's niece. I think so. Yeah, I like, I like, I like, I like her character. Her character's fun. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I'm curious to see the mixture of, um, and I'm sure they'll do, they'll do it well. Of action scenes to poignant scenes to funny scenes. You know, Marvel seems to do that very well. They do. So I would say I'm uh, I'm optimistic and excited about the series. While like you, I think I was not excited about necessarily terribly excited about that this particular episode. No, but hopefully we'll we'll be uh, we'll be singing its praises. Yeah, I next hope so. week. I hope so. It's good to it's good to be back having a weekly thing keeping us recording <laughs> podcasts. Thank you, Marvel. Gracias. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, gracias. That's thank you. Hold on. <laughs> Cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Uh, Anything else we want to say about this uh, first episode of Falcon and the Winter Snowman? Yes. Uh, No. Besides, I hope uh, I made already made this joke, but I hope Mephisto appears at some point. (laughs) That could be your running joke, and uh, me saying Falcon and the Winter Snowman is going to be my running joke. Yes, and we'll tire everyone out by the beginning, (laughs) by the end. We will. All right. So that wraps it up for this. Uh, What are you reading? I am still in between the same books I've been in between for the past couple of podcasts. What are we going to do to get you moving forward? I don't know. Spring break comes. I'm less busy with schoolwork. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to be on a strict movie watching and book reading regimen during spring break. Yes. Because uh, I, too, am still reading <laughs> A Brief History of Seven Killings. Though I am uh, over halfway done now, and I've moved into, I think, the either next to last section or the last section. So... I don't know if that's your fault, though, for reading it. That book is long. I saw the audiobook volumes, and that is long. It is long, and I've been switching back and forth, and I can't... I, I mean, reading like, is faster, but these actors are so good on the audiobook that I kind of, like... 
I don't want to. I don't want to miss out on what they're doing. So, yeah, and I mean it's like a hundred thirty-minute long sections. Yeah, it's 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 long, but again, it's really really good. So so far, highly recommend. All right, well, I think that wraps us up for this uh, episode of the Owls on Culture podcast. Uh, look for a new episode on on the episode two, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Next week, and, and we also have a Zack Snyder's Justice League coming up. Look forward to, to record the, a podcast. Now we've already seen it. I've seen it twice now. Exactly in the last whatever thirty six hours, you've spent eight of them with Zack Snyder and his Justice League. So I have, I have, I watched it once from, uh, with you and one with a friend of mine. All right, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you so much for listening. Until we meet again, bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Cerzier and Antoine Hurrah. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email, a twice-a-month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, a short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.